Hello and welcome to Casting Nets. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Pastor Dave Rudat. I am here in Casting Nets Northern Command with uh, in Shirley, Wisconsin, Shirley, the best place you've never heard of. And I'm joined together with Pastor Will Harley uh, from St. John and Maribel. Yes, I'm also one of the hosts at occasion. And do you Sometimes. know that today is a great day? It is. It, it is, is a National day. Coffee Day. Is it really National Coffee Day? Yeah, and this day is a great day. You can go to Quick Trip and get a free cup of coffee with your Long John. So I went up there and I said, I don't want to purchase a Long John. I'll just purchase the coffee. They gave me free coffee. Well, there you go. So they made absolutely no money off you. They made no money off off of me whatsoever. And even though today is a great day because it is National Coffee Day, there was a tragedy that happened today. I have to tell you about this tragedy. A man uh, fell into an industrial coffee grinder. But don't worry. He's fine now. <laughs> All right. All right. I've got that another, was, I got another dad joke, joke for you. Do you have a dad joke? Go I ahead. I don't have a dad joke. Okay. I don't do dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> My jokes are actually funny. That's <laughs> what you're saying. Uh, <laughs> um, the other joke is I like my, my coffee like I like my slaves. Free. <laughs> That could have gone. That was a double. That, that could have gone, gone the multiple direction. directions. I'm glad it went to the one. It got your attention. <laughs> it certainly got your attention. I am glad that went in one way, not the other, <laughs> because we have not given our disclaimer yet, and that could have gone south <laughs> way fast. All right. So, um, if you haven't noticed, we are two pastors who have uh, coffee cups in our hands. Thank you to our members who have provided the illustrious coffee. Of Saturday morning, uh, 7 a.m. coffee. Um, and so we are thankful for that. Um, as we are drinking our coffee, gathering around the Word of God, we are going to be having a conversation. We are going to be dealing with prostitution today. Um, I mean, not dealing in prostitution, but talking about it in Revelation chapter 17 through 20. And if we say something that is off-colored or something that you might say, I don't know if that sounded quite right. Remember, this is the beginning of a conversation, right? So we are not the authority that we're saying, hey, we know everything there is to know. But what we are saying is we have studied the scriptures. We are talking about the scriptures. We want to have this as our conversation and uh, invite you into it. If we say something that is offensive, come and talk with us. You can find me, St. John Maribel, most days of the week. You can find Pastor Rudat here uh, in Shirley uh, at Emmanuel uh, most days out of the week, and uh, we'll be more than happy to have a conversation with you. You can always find us in the church at uh, 9 a.m. in the morning um, on Sundays. So you can come and worship with us, and we would love to serve you with God's Word and the sacraments. Um, and so please come and talk with us there. We are upholding the the beliefs of the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Um, of course, we are going to be looking to the scriptures as our ultimate authority. And uh, what do we got? Uh, if notes? you want to email us, you can email us at castingnetpod at gmail.com there to continue go. this conversation. You can go on Facebook and comment on our Facebook. You can make a comment on um, on the video on Facebook. We're going to turn off the comments on YouTube. But if you are watching this live... You can comment while it's being broadcast live, but uh, afterwards we're going to kind of turn those those comments off on YouTube just because of sometimes you get some conversations and, and trolls and things of that nature, and I don't really have time for that. I want people to actually communicate to me about God's word. I don't have time for trolls of, either. Don't have time for trolls. 
So, um, let's go slay some dragons. You know, let's go slay some dragons and prostitutes. Hence the red light behind me. I don't want to slay prostitutes. <laughs> that's just me. That's not, that's not our calling, is it? Our calling is not to slay prostitutes. Um, unless we're preaching the gospel and then, yeah. Well, then the gospel slays them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Without further ado, let's get into our topic. Revelation chapter 17 to 20. If you haven't joined us yet, we are toward the end, the last lap of the book of Revelation. We are, uh, the, the major event that happened was the end of the world and the angels coming <laughs> that's out. That's a major event. <laughs> that, that's a major event. <laughs> Just say in case you missed it. It was the end of the world. Yeah. And, uh. <laughs> We're just playing cleanup. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the the angels left the tabernacle with all of the uh, wrath of God that God has for sin, seeing as people didn't uh, um, didn't believe. Let in the it sun. remain on the Savior. Yeah, yep. They didn't let it remain on the Savior, and so we've had uh, the seven bowls of wrath, bowls of wrath, and uh, we're continuing that. We haven't finished all the bowls yet, and now we have the three major opponents of of Jesus uh, getting their, the wrath poured out on them. Yeah, the comeuppance, right? Um, we're, comeuppance. Yeah, we're just wrapping it up. It's uh, This is the grand I told you so. This That's a good the, way of saying it. Yeah, the Father said, I told you so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and as we read about uh, the great enemies of God in chapter 17, right out of the gate, we've got the great prostitute. Yeah, right in chapter 17. Um, I suppose. Well, I should probably read that. Yeah, let's throw it up there. Yeah, I have a new graphic for this. This is actually really, I'm really proud of this one. This one didn't take that much time to do, but now I i, I believe it'll be a much neater. It looks very, very professional. I, I it, like it. Yeah, that's the one word I don't want it to be called. I just want something nice and neat that people can follow along on. Anyway, um, chapter 17, verses 1 to 5. It's also good marketing because it says EHV. I- <laughs> Oh, you noticed that, did you? Good, good marketing. It's like, what version is he reading from? The good wonder- version. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what the word evangelical means, after all. <laughs> the good news, it's a good version. No, no, I'm um, we digress. Chapter 17, 1 to 5. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke to me. He said, come, I will show you the judgment on the great prostitute who is sitting on many waters. The kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality with her, and those who make their home on the earth have become drunk on the wine of her immorality. The angel carried me in spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and seven heads uh, and ten horns. The woman was clothed with purple and scarlet and was adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. In her hand was a cup full of the abominations and a filth of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead, the name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of the prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw that this woman was drunk from the blood of the saints and the blood of Jesus' martyrs. There you go. You have... uh, um, 
a return of one of the beasts, right? So we have uh, government coming back. If you go back to uh, um, chapter 13, we have uh, the, right. the, the, the beast, beast of, of the, the sea. Yeah, the beast of the sea. Yep. And so um, government is, is on his way in. And uh, upon the government, we have a new image. So if you, if you kind of go back and you go to, to chapter 13, and we had the, the three beasts, right? We had the dragon, and then you had the beast of the sea, which is the government, and you had the beast of the land, which, which was the church, right? Antichrist. The Antichrist. Um, we now have... Could be the Antichrist. I mean, we, have, we always have to have the right. caveat. It could be something else. Or it could be... We have to leave some room... Well, breathing room for the Holy Spirit to say you're wrong, um, <laughs> or you're right. I mean, not just necessarily. Right. It's 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 the Antichrist. We talked about that in chapter thirteen. Where right. here's the here's how the the the, the Bible d- defines the Antichrist, uh, and here's the definitions. What else fits it other than the office of the papacy, not the a particular pope, but the office of but, the papacy? But you still have a religious element. So, yeah. you, so you have this religious element in the beast, and, and so now we we come back to that religious element, right? So so the um, we're just getting think of the jewel, right? It's sparkling from a different cut um, as as we're looking at this, and we're closing up shop. Uh, we get this beast coming back. We get the the this interlocking between the false religions, this this uh, anti uh, you could say anti Christian, but it's it's really those who put the mask of Christianity on and yet are catering to the world. Yeah, right. Putting a different um, antichrist as in take, taking the place of something. Yeah, we always think of antichrist. Our connotation is always something against Christ, which it is. But uh, biblically speaking, antichrists or antichrists with a small a are always things that are putting something else in place of Christ. So right. we talked last week about Babylon and how Babylon was uh, an illustration of uh, God's people being led away from the truth and being led away to something else. Something else was taking the place of their God in their lives, and that was their life of comfort in Babylon, which came to mean— which comes back now, too. I mean, that that image of Babylon right now, we have the, the, the main prostitute of Babylon, which is, is, again, that illustration drawing from Old Testament history um, where you have um, this desire and this— um, draw of worldly things and trying to to bring worldly things into into the christian perspective and the religious perspective and and cater religion and the world together and, and kind of meld them in a way that they shouldn't be melded um and and i mean if you're going to apply this you could apply this really to any secular church um and, and really to any church i'm not just going to say i'm not going to say lutheranism is is uh, above and beyond this because we're not um, how many times do we try to play into culture right so now let's use whatever we can uh, in culture to to try to win people. And we always say we're, we'll do it. What is the old saying? Um, trying to put it together. They'll say, um, I will do anything short of sinning, right, to to try to win someone for Christ. Um and that's that's the excuse of I'm going to use anything. I'm going to I'm going to jump on board with anything. I will support anything. I'll be a part of anything. Um, all in this attempt to say, well, I'm doing a Christian thing. And and you kind of you kind of see flavors of that in this that that this is what this woman is doing. Um, that's the image she is. She's willing. Yeah, she's compromising, willing to put on anything to get what she wants. And, and, and to follow this. And really what we see is this interplay where, where what she, she, she thinks she's the one in control because she's riding the beast, right? I'm in control. Um, we're going to find out that's not the that case. really the case, <laughs> but, but she, she's leading many people astray. Um, 
And she's successful at it. I mean, you think of all the, the picture of, of the gold and the, the jewelry and all these things. So to think that it's, um, because someone is successful that therefore they're right is, is a great lie. Is it bad to be thinking like Joel Osteen? And and like mega churches and social justice warriors, I, I'm I, I'm not trying to cast dispersions on, yeah. and, but but I'm I mean I just keep thinking it's like the social justice warrior, you know every you go from one social justice thing to another social justice thing and it is always a religious event, right? Um, I have to defend this, I have to defend that, we have to make these changes in our government because if we don't make these changes in our government, Christendom is going to die, um, and it's like it's like there's this this desire to play to the secular world and change the outward appearance um in the disguise of Christianity when the inward heart is is really the problem. And and I kind of see that in this prostitute is is she thinks she's controlling the beast because she's adorning it with all of these things and she's she's gaining popularity, she's gaining wealth, she's gain but she's selling out the very core of of what faith is. I love that. She's selling out what it means to be a follower of Christ, which is, I mean, that, that whole picture of a prostitute giving her body to something, giving something that is worth so much, and she should view it with great respect, but she just throws out just yeah. because. To She's a, giving away what's what's so special inside for the outward adornment. Yeah. Um. And 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 you could really point to any church, right? That suff- struggles with that. What is our image? What is what is how how much do we play into our image as opposed to what is what is really contained within? Um. So I mean, there's. I don't want to cast dispersions on one or another, but but I, I'm I'm not yeah. going to back off and say because Joel Osteen in the megachurch movement, it rings in my ears. Uh, but it's not just that. I mean, Luther would look at this and and say this is, especially when he starts detailing some of the actions of her, he would say this is the papacy, um, and uh, the Roman Catholic Church, not saying it is every member of. Yeah. But the institution. The of, institution, the teachings, yeah. um, uh, the positions of the Roman Catholic Church. And that falls into uh, verse 6 where it's drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of Jesus' martyrs where we, we are reminded that uh, uh, the Antichrist, the office of the papacy, exists in the midst of the Christian church. So for us to say the, the, the papacy is the Antichrist, we're not saying that Roman Catholics are the Antichrist. Because we're saying they they could believe they could be faithful uh, to the the one Lord who saved them, and in fact later on um, the, there's going to be a message of of call out to repentance to those who are within this um, the great prostitute who's been influenced by her the the true Church of God with whom she is in the midst of. He's calling them to come out of there, get out of there, um, because yeah. this is this is dangerous for you. Some people even said that was called the Reformation. <clears throat> Those are nice things, reformations. They should, are. Should we keep going? I, verse I, six to fourteen, because we it just gets better. It, just, it gets better. <laughs> I like it. God's word gets, gets be- better. Good stuff. <laughs> so good stuff. All right, uh, verse. <clears throat> and our listeners aren't even listening. They're listening. <laughs> we're, we're speaking it so well. That they're they're going, man. I just wish they would just keep moving and keep going. I just, I tell I'm you, we're such great teachers. <laughs> what is that word of affirmations? Words of acclamations? Anyway, uh, verse six. See, they're listening. Melissa's great. See, she's listening. Awesome. And Matt. See, there we go. Uh, verse 
Six. When I saw her, I was greatly amazed. And the angel said to me, why are you amazed? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, the one that has seven heads and seven horns. The beast that you saw, he existed, is no more, and is about to come out of the abyss and go to destruction. Those who make their home on the earth, whose names are written in the book of life from the creation of the world, will be amazed when they see the beast, because he existed, is no more, and will exist again. A mind that has wisdom is needed here. The seven heads are seven hills on which the woman is sitting. They are also seven kings. Five have fallen. One is, the other has yet to come. But when he comes, he must remain for a little while. The beast that existed and is no more is the eighth king who is one of the seven who is going out to destruction. The seven horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but along with the beast, they will receive authority like kings for one hour. They will share one purpose and they will give their power and authority to the beast They will wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will overcome them, because he is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Those who are with him are the called, the elect, and the believing. The angel said to me, The waters that you saw where the prostitute is sitting are peoples, multitudes, nations, and language. The ten horns and, and the beast that you saw will hate the prostitute and will cause her to be abandoned and naked. They will also eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put into their hearts to carry out his purpose, namely to agree to give their royal authority to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. Good stuff here. So <clears throat> first of all, I, we, we need to like slow the, slow the metaphors down. <laughs> <laughs> Just in the sense that that let's look at this as the picture instead of looking at it and saying let's explain every little bit. Yeah. Um, so when we when we take a look at this, we we've got <clears throat> we got a little bit of an explanation. So we're we're getting an understanding of the waxing and waning of kingdoms. We're getting a little bit of an understanding of the the, the power going up and down um, that got that the kingdoms on earth are going to have. Uh, some greater authority, some lesser lesser authority, uh, and that's that's really being said. In it was, is no more, and it's coming again. Yeah, the idea. It, I always I saw that in in uh, the Beast of the Sea in chapter thirteen, where the description of the governments of the world waging war against the church, and sometimes the church right. seems to to overcome them, and sometimes it is really oppressing the church. So as you see see throughout history, um, sometimes the church can exist with the government, and it's fine, and it seems like the government isn't a problem, and other times when the government is really making it difficult for the church. Right. And, and I think that uh, one of the things that we should then back up and, and say, though, that so we have these these images of kings, um, and, and instead of saying, what kings are we talking about, we should probably make that a more broader scope and say, okay, these are, these are probably better descriptions of empires. Um, and, and if you wanted to try to label empires, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying here's a possibility for you, which makes a lot of sense. Label these as empires. Old Testament, five empires have fallen, right? Um, so you have Egypt, you have Assyria, you have, uh, Babylon, you have Persia, and you have the Greeks. You know, those are the five. So you have, you have these, uh, um, Empires that have risen and, and fallen and the church still remains, right? Through them all, the church still remains. Then you have the one that was still there. So during the time of John, I mean, you have Rome, which was the next one on the scene. And they're still, they're still present, right? Um, now there is some debate as to whether or not Rome has, has really gone. 
and and this is where we we would have some debate um and 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 the reason i say that is because they say that that uh, that there's one here but it will come, it will leave and then come back and so the the ultimate question when you start looking at this and saying okay if the one that that is still there during john's time is the one that will come back eventually you know is this is this rome well <clears throat> look in history and and i'm not this is just speculation again you have the holy roman empire right trying to recreate Rome, couldn't, tried to recreate Rome. The Roman church coming out of Rome, um, trying to recreate uh, the Roman rule. You had the First Reich, right, um, uh, in Germany, trying to recreate Rome. Uh, the symbols uh, that were a part of the, the, the Second and Third Reich, um, all coming out of Rome. Um, Rome becomes this, this um, ultimate pinnacle of what people try to obtain but it's not anymore right um but it might come back so so is there maybe a little bit of a a a looking at the kingdoms of the earth that we have now don't have the dominance that rome did and and it it doesn't have the culture shift that rome produced um will it come again yeah and i think that's where you get some people who who jump on the bandwagon and they say we're really afraid of a one world order uh and i'm not i'm not being a conspiracy theorist, I'm, I'm saying it is not outside of the realm of possibility because in, in history of the worlds, there have been one world orders. <clears throat> I mean, you have the Egyptians who tried it, the Assyrians who tried it. You have the Babylonians, well, pretty close, um, at least in the known world. Um, they were beat out by the Persians who, who <laughs> did a very good job. And then the Greeks, of course, who, who we still feel the effects of the, of, of the Greek rule. Uh, even to this day in, in almost every culture, because how far flung they were. Rome, even greater than that. I mean, they went all the way up into, into the Germanic tribes. I mean, Rome was seen. So, I mean, the, the idea of a one world order is not as far fetched as we would like to think it is. Um, yeah. And as long as our interpretation does not, uh, uh, um, as long as our interpretation of these words does not paint a picture where the end of the world can't come yet because this one world government hasn't manifested itself. No, I, I don't no. think that's what you're saying, but I think some people do look right. at this text and say, well, Jesus can't come again because we need this one big world order. We need this, uh, um, alliance between the Roman Catholic Church, the institution and the government, just like we have with a picture of the, the, um, Babylon the Great, right. the, the great prostitute and the beast that she's riding. Um, what I'm the saying fact of the matter that. is, is that the, the papacy does have official envoys that go to other governments. Uh, it does influence other governments. We think of um, how John Paul II used his influence with the fall of communism. You look at history with that. We can think of, was that Benedict that actually addressed our Congress? Uh, uh, that was within recent history. So you've got... You Frederick, was it Was it Frederick? Frederick. No, not Fred, Um One right before this one. Benedict. Was that Benedict? Yeah. Didn't he go to Islam? He might have he, yeah. and, and 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 talked with them, and was part of the the <clears throat> the I, rulers and the princes of the Islamic nations. I, I don't I don't know what you're referring to, so I won't. Well, it was it. during the time where he went over and he apologized for the Crusades. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he okay. said you're still safe too. Um, and that was the big takeaway from that. Yeah, there's. <laughs> uh, there was a recent. Did you see the most recent one of uh, uh, who's a, who's a current? Uh, papacy where there's this little boy and has the, the boy has this heart wrenching story of his, his dad who never went to church, but he was a good papa. 
is he going to be in heaven? And the, the, the pope, the pope comes down and gets right down on his eye level. And he says, of course he's in heaven. He was a good papa. As, and so it was this, to me, as you, you can Google it. It was just chilling, uh, down the back where you say, wait a minute, where's Christ? Um, because you're saying that you're, and, and the boy came away. Oh, my, 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 my papa's in heaven because the, the Pope right. has declared it. So. Cause he was a good person. Cause he was a good person. Yeah. yeah. This brings up a, a topic, which we're going to talk about in Bible study on this Sunday. But, um, um, if the things that we say, especially theological or, or philosophical things that we say to, to try to in, influence our life, if Jesus Christ didn't have to die for you to say that, you probably are wrong. <laughs> so, and that's one of those cases. Uh, did Jesus Christ have to die for your papa to be good? Yeah. No. <laughs> so you're you're probably wrong. <laughs> um, but but coming back, I, I'm not trying to say, and, and you're right. I wasn't. I'm not trying to paint this picture that we're we're looking for one world order to come back because, you know, some of these these kingdoms that are re- referencing here loosely. Um, but we and I'm not. I say loosely, but. It's not out of the ballpark because Daniel, when he when he looks at his in the beasts, um, reference these kingdoms. So I, I think there's a connection. Um, <clears throat> not all of them were were world governments. They were local governments, but they were they were powerhouses for the time. Mm-hmm. And, and so I I mean so we're not looking necessarily for a one world government. I mean I'm saying there's a possibility that it could. But but what what we are saying is that we are looking at a a, a very close knit, very powerful entity in the government that is working alongside this church that's selling out the believers. Um, you know, you almost imagine yourself. Did God really say? You know, this is so much easier. You know, you can have the veneer of of. Um, Christ, and that that comes back down to Flannery O'Connor's uh, words many, 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 many years ago. Um, she was a Southern Baptist writer, and she wrote um, those famous words that uh, United States is Christ haunted, right? Um, we have the veneer of Christendom. We have the veneer of Christ. We have the veneer of what the scriptures say, but we don't, we're, we're empty. And, and so Christ haunts us. And I, I look at the, uh, my last thought before I move on is that the comforting thought of, for John's hearers to see this great um, tragedy, this great thing that would just jar their eyes. Why, why would, um, why would the church try to um, woo the governments of the world when the, the governments of the world really want to destroy her? Why does it seem like uh, that there's this, the, the institution of the gov- of the church is now uh, forsaking its first love? forsaking Christ and it seems like it's going well for her and it seems like she's she's prospering she's got lots of money there things and she she seems to be in charge is that the way that God intended it is that the way that God intended his church to operate in this world and John is writing to his hearers writing to us reminding us that no that's not how that's not how God wants his gospel to be proclaimed he doesn't want us to sell out the gospel just uh, for some influence in this world, yeah, and he doesn't want us to join with the the same purpose as 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 the world. Um, and before we move on, I think I think we need to get to the hope, right? Because because this is in seventeen, you have some of the richest hope 
given to believers. Um, and, and you found that right there in, in verse 14, right? They will wage war against the lamb, but, and in Greek, that's the Allah. That's, that's, uh, so here's a little Greek lesson for everybody. Let's just pause and do a little Greek lesson. So in Greek, there is this, there's this well-formed but. Um, we call it the big but. It is, it is the beautiful but of, of when God is going to step in and do something um, unexpected and completely out of out of what we would expect um, to to happen in the normal course of life, and and that is the Allah, right? And and so you have that here. Uh, they're going to wage war against the king or against the lamb, but the well formed big butt. We all like big butts. The lamb. Some of us do. <laughs> in this case, we all like it. <laughs> The Lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him who are called the elect and the believing. Awesome. That is, that's, okay, yep, it's going to happen. They're going to wage war. Yep, it's not going to be good. Yep, it's going to, it's going to be sucky. But, right? (laughs) Here you have, here you have the Lamb. Who is victorious, um, and he is going to stand victorious. So um, share this with your friends. Share this podcast and say, my pastor talked about prostitutes and big butts. Yes, and how we like big butts. I cannot lie. <laughs> when it comes to the scriptures. When it comes to the scriptures, folks. Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> we are flirting with the gutter. Chapter 18. Babylon so, has fallen. But before we didn't You're you want to didn't you want to hit that last uh, verse seventeen there, where where uh, you have them turn right? You have the government turn. I think we alluded to it already. We alluded so to it, but I mean, but how awesome! I mean, you missed the the main point, right? Um, I didn't miss the main point, but it is a point. It is a point. God's Go going to use them for His purpose. Whether they like it or not, whether they think it's good or not, whether they are going to say, yeah, uh, we want to do this or not, God will use them for his purpose. So in their own zeal to get more power for themselves, God is going to say, you're going to cast my punishment on on those who need it. Okay. So anyway. now you may move on. Thank you. Are we on 18 now? Yes. Are we going to make it to 20? We will. All right. You sure? After these things, I saw another angel coming down out of heaven. He had great authority. And the earth was given light by his glory. And the and he called out in a loud voice, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, and a prison for every unclean spirit, and a prison for every unclean bird, and a prison for every unclean and hated beast. For all the nations have drunk from the wine of her adulterous desires, and the kings of the earth committed adultery with her. And the merchants of the earth became rich from the abundance of her luxury. As I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, because her sins have reached heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Pay her back even as she has paid. Pay her back double for what she has done. In the cup that she mixed, mixed her a double portion. As much glory and luxury as she gave herself, give that much torture and grief to her, because in her heart she says, I sit as a queen, I am not a widow, and I will never mourn. For this reason her plagues will come on a single day, death, mourning, and famine, and she will be burned in fire, because the Lord God who judges her is powerful. You want me to keep going? Um, I, I think the only thing that you'd really want to comment in that section is is just um, 
the cry of uh, from heaven, right, for the for God's people to come out. Um, so there's the the I think the the very important reference to, and we would say this <clears throat> even in the, there are Christians in the Catholic Church, yeah, right, um, because God's word is there, and so God's word works. Now the call would be, why are you there? If if what they are saying ultimately goes against what it is you believe from what Scripture says, mm-hmm. that's that would be my comment. Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything else. Um, I sit as a queen. I am not a widow and I will never mourn. That really, uh, struck home just the idea of the Antichrist sitting in place of Christ saying, I don't need you, Jesus. Yeah. Um, I've got, I'm well supplied. Um, I'll, I've got it all figured out. I don't need you. Um, which is a very dangerous position to be in. It is a dangerous position to be in to, to, to stand, um, in the place of Christ and say, I can do this better. Well, we know that's not going to go well. Or I'm never going to mourn. I'm never going to repent. I'm never going to change my ways. I'm never yeah. going to. So it, that's the one part where we, um, the, the, this is probably not in reference to this, but this is a, a worldview perhaps of the, those in positions of power of in the Roman Catholic church where we talk about uh, celibacy in, uh, for the priesthood where people are advocating are saying, if all of these priests, um, if there's a, the rise of, um, uh, of, of pedophilia in the, in the clerical and the priesthood, why don't we just get these guys married so that they would fulfill these desires correctly instead of, um, having it plunge them to ruin and destruction? Where it just, sometimes I see that where the Roman Catholic Church would say, no, we're not going, this is, it has to, the priesthood has to be the sacrament. The ordination has to be the sacrament. So I will not turn. I will not see the fact that this, um, this church doctrine of not having our priests marry as a bad thing. Well, and, and I would actually go even a step further and say that, and, and I, I don't mean to cast aspersions, but when you look at a lot of, especially in the, the Middle Ages, you look at a lot of what the Catholic Church did. Um, it, it really struck to like, um, secret religious, uh, secret religion movements. Um, so they, they took a ton of things from and practiced a ton of things from occult religions. Um, and they built them into these setups and there was no remorse. Um, I mean, you, you look at how they came across and, and how Christendom swept, uh, with the Catholic Church and they would, they would come into an area that, that were druidic. You know, people were worshiping a tree or a shrub. And, and what did the church do? The, the church grabbed onto that tree and shrub and they renamed it the saint, you know, whatever planted this tree, but they worshiped the tree still. <laughs> I mean, people would still come and they would pilgrimage to the tree and, and they claimed that's mission work. Um, and there was no remorse of, of the removal of, of Christ from that. Um, there was no remorse. It was like, nope, we, we did our job. We came in. We, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I mean, there's a, and that, that still happens today. I mean, there's, there's, um, so easily let's remove Christ from the picture, right? Um, because it's easier to not have to deal with Christ than it is to deal with him and, and hear what he has to say to us. I would just second what you said. Uh, we had our Hispanic uh, consultant come last Sunday, and he had a presentation after worship, and he talked about um, the different Roman Catholics that are coming to America from the Latin American countries, and he was saying how 
um, their Roman Catholicism isn't the same as the Roman Catholicism that's here in Green Bay, where the Green Bay Roman Catholicism is more Irish Catholic focused on works. And where some of these immigrants are coming from the Central American countries, their Roman Catholicism is focused on the saints because the, when the priests came in, the missionaries that came in, they sought to blend um, the teachings of the Bible with the the religions of the area. So saints became a much more um, dominant focus. No and so no audio. Uh-oh. Which one? I don't know. We're testing the audio right now. Okay. Okay, so there's no audio when I have that other. Are we back? I can't see. They're not giving comments. We can't hear you, Pastor. So that was really quick. So I think every time we went to this one scene where I was focused, where the focus was on me, you you just could only see me and not hear me. Well, you know what? That might be a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> kidding. Okay. All right. So I don't know where where I left off, but oh, you, uh, we, had Hispanic, about, yeah. we had a Hispanic. We had a Hispanic consultant come to us and talk to us about the different versions of Roman Catholicism, where the Green Bay is is its history is in Irish Catholicism, which is more works basis. Um. Yeah. They they, they just confirmed exactly what I thought it was. Um. And uh, it was just based on. Irish Catholics is just based on works, but in the in the in the uh, Central American countries, it's based on saints because when the missionaries would come in, those missionaries would blend the the whatever the religion was dominant and just say, "Oh, by the way, you're worshiping this now. This is actually a saint," and the focus is more on the saints rather than on being a good person, which is what Irish Catholicism was. Right. Its focus was on. Um, but all that all that comes down to the point, though that that. You know, um, when, when we are highlighting the Catholic Church is saying is, is got many of the hallmarks, right? Of, um, when we, when we look at it and we say that the Catholic Church has these hallmarks of this prostitute, that, that's what we're talking about. There's, there's no mourning. There's no remorse for supplanting Christ. Um, there, there's just, let's add more to it. Um, you know, we'll say, well, we're not worshiping the saints. We're venerating them as if there's a difference, you know, when people are turning to them for, for help. Um, you know, I'll, I'll use my father as, as an example, and I don't know what saint it is. I really don't, but he always wore a pendant of that saint that he was, it was given to him by his mother when he went off to, to war in Vietnam. And he wore it the rest of his life, and it was the saint of safe travel or whatever it was. Um, and, and I, I, I don't think my dad, especially near the end of his life, really believed in that. But how easy is it, right? Is it St. Christopher? Yeah, there you go, St. Christopher. Um, but he had a pendant on that. And I know my mom asked me, she said, you know, when, when my dad passed away, would you want that? And I'm like, no, nope. why would I want that? Um, but but that was one of those things, you know, that, that keeps playing over and over is is everywhere that the Catholic Church goes, they amalgamate something else. And they bring it in, and and Christ becomes less, and and then the tradition becomes more, um, and and there's no remorse for that. There there's no mourning. There's no, it's I'm a queen. I I I'm in this area now. I I can make that decision. Yeah. Um, the kings mourn Babylon's destruction. So chapter nine eighteen, beginning of verse nine. The kings of the earth who committed adultery and lived in luxury 
with her will weep and mourn for her when they see the smoke from her burning. They will stand far away because of terror at her torment and say, Woe, woe, the great city, Babylon, the strong city, because your judgment came in a single hour. The merchants of the earth also weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargo anymore, a cargo of gold, silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet fabric, and every kind of aromic wood and ivory article. And every article made of precious wood, brass, iron, and marble, also cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, olive oil, high-quality flour, grain, cattle, sheep, horses, and carriages, as well as bodies and souls of people." The fruit of your soul desired has left you. All your costly and splendid things have passed away from you. No one will ever find them again. The merchants who sold these things and were made rich by Babylon will stand far away, out of terror at her torment. They are going to weep and mourn, saying, Woe! Woe to the great city that was clothed. I'm sorry, I had a picture of you, Will. So you you uh, spending time on the phone is now on. Recorded for posterity. Um Woe, woe to the great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, because of such great wealth, has made a wasteland in a single hour. Every ship captain and all the ocean travelers and the sailors and those who make their living on the sea stood far away and cried out when they saw the smoke rise from her burning. They said, Who is like the great city? They threw dust on their heads and cried out as they wept and mourned, saying, Woe, woe to the great city by whom all have ships on the sea and made rich from her treasures because she was made a wasteland in a single hour. Rejoice over her heaven, also you saints, apostles, and prophets, because God has judged her for the judgment you received from her. A mighty angel picked up a stone like a large millstone and he threw it into the sea. He said, uh-oh. What did he, he said, say? Uh-oh. He said, uh-oh. Uh-oh, yeah. Sorry. This is the way of Babylon, the great city, will be overthrown with violence and will never again be found. The sound of harpists and musicians, flutists and trumpeters, and never will be heard in you again. No craftsman of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a millstone will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The, the voice of the bridegroom and bride will never be heard in you again. Oh, I like that. Because of your merchants were the great ones of the earth, because your witchcraft led all of the nations astray, and the blood of prophets and saints was found in the city. I don't like that part. Along with the blood of those who were slain on the earth. Don't like that either. All right. So. Yeah, so you got some, I, I think really this is just the mourning, and you, you have the wide-sweeping nature of, of every pot that um, the prostitute was was had her hands dipped in. Um, so if you'd say these are the... You know, we go back to the papacy. These are all the pots that the papacy has um, that they they were dipping in um, <clears throat> the this false church. Then you have the call of those who are are within it, right? You have the call to rejoice uh, in twenty because those who believed who were punished by the church are are now vindicated. We think and, of the, like the great um, Inquisition and things like that. You think of the Reformation and the, sure. the difficulties that the. The uh, um, Christians and Lutherans had to deal with with uh, the papacy putting people to death and going to war against the small cultic league, which right. was a league of Lutheran princes. And think, go ahead. Oh, but and and I, you think of all those times where where God's people was punished by, or God's people were punished for doing what was good and right in in the call of the Lord. And then I think the the part that you really highlighted, which I also highlighted, and I thought was was really. F- Beautiful language. Um, the light of a lamp will never shine in you again, and the voice of bridegroom and bride 
Um, the only thing I could think of there, and I, I don't know if it's directly referencing to that, but but the only thing I can think of is Christ and his church. You know, what you thought you were and what was maybe there because there were believers there are no longer um, yeah. coming out of you. Yeah, it, again, goes back to the definitions of the Roman Catholic, the Roman Catholic papacy, the office of the papacy, not the particular pope, but the office, the position. In order for that to be the Antichrist, according to the definitions given to us in the Bible, it's got to be in the midst of the Christian church. And so we have God who is saying the only good thing about this Roman Catholic church is not the influence it had over government, is not all of the wealth that it accumulated. The only good thing about the, the Roman Catholic church is that the bridegroom and the bride are still there because the word of God, the means of grace are still being implemented in her midst. Right. Interesting, though, it doesn't refer to the, uh, the prostitute being the bride. Whereas, whereas the church in scripture is the bride. Yeah, the bride's coming. So the picture of the bride is coming in, in the next couple of chapters. So if you're right. getting kind of depressed uh, about, good, uh, we did our job right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, what, that's what pastors are for: is to make make you sound depressed, <laughs> make you feel depressed. It's getting good. So um, I like how the Holy Spirit uh, inspired John to write these pictures because we're going to have this in contrast. We're going to have the church. And so we'll see the church clearer now. Well, isn't it beautiful how, how, how the Holy Spirit led in contrast earlier in, in the book of Revelation? We had the, the woman who was pregnant running for her life from the beast, right? Being hunted from down the from the dragon. Yeah. Well, same. Um, and, and yeah. one Satan, one's the <laughs> tools of Satan. Okay. Um, but still, you know, uh, you have the woman who, who is pregnant with the gospel, the one who is, is faithful to the end. Um, and, and you have that beautiful picture. Now you have the woman who, who is just completely and utterly, um, flaunting her wares, uh, without any care of, of the gospel, um, now getting her comeuppance. Um, and those pictures are just beautiful pictures as you go back and forth. Let's get to those, uh, chapter 19. Uh, the church's victory is how it is entitled, but uh, starting at verse 1. After these things, I heard what seemed to be the loud sound of an immense crowd in heaven saying, Alleluia, or praise Alleluia. the Lord, or Alleluia, because Alleluia means praise the Lord. Back to the, back to the text. Uh, Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just, because he has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality. And he has avenged his servant's blood that was shed by her hand. A second time they said, Alleluia, her smoke goes up forever and ever. Then the twenty-four elders of the four living creatures bowed down and worshipped God, who sits on the throne, saying, Amen, Alleluia. And from the throne a voice came a voice that said, Praise our God, all you his servants, and those who fear him, small and great. And I heard what seemed to be the roar of a great crowd or the roar of many waters, or the sound of loud rumblings of thunder, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad, and give him glory. Because the wedding of the Lamb has come. His bride has made herself ready, and she has given bright, clean, fine linen to wear. In fact, the fine linen is the not guilty verdicts pronounced on the saints. The angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he also said to me, These are the true words of God. And I bowed down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Do not do it. 
I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who have given the testimony about Jesus, who have the testimony about Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony about Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So I just, I want to um, talk about the elephant in the room just, just for, for a brief minute, and then we can discuss the greater awesomeness of this text. Um, and the elephant in the room is, is the phrase, his bride has made herself ready. And the first thing you think of is, oh, they did something. But then in, in the, the spirit in his infinite wisdom quantifies that statement with, and she was given <laughs> the bright, clean, fine linen to wear. In fact, the fine linen is the not guilty. That's justification, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was given the not guilty verdict pronounced on the saints. Um, so she did nothing, <laughs> but it was given credit to her um, as her doing, even though she did it not herself. There is quite a contrast between <clears throat> the picture of the, the great prostitute that we talked about with all of her everything that she's described with, with all the jewelry. And here it's just the bride. What makes her so awesome in this picture is not the... Is what's declared over her? It's what's declared over her. It's where I was going. Well, I got there. <laughs> it was so exciting. I just had to blurt it out, Dave. I couldn't wait for you to get to that point because it's so good. I got to say it. Justification is the doctrine upon which the church stands or falls. Um, that the fact that, that you have the prostitute who gathers around herself, all of these things she thinks she can do and all the things that she has done and the, the adornments of all of her work and, and they mean nothing when it comes down to what has God pronounced over you? And that's, I mean, that's, that's the, the, in, in, in the Reformation, that was, that was like the hallmark. Um, justification is, 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 the doctrine upon which the church stands or falls, because if you are not declared externally by the one who has authority that you are not guilty, what does it matter? Yeah. And that comes from the word and sacrament. So you could get that yeah. in the middle of the Roman Catholic church, but that's the, that's the, the crown and glory. That's the, that's what makes the church so awesome is this righteousness that's given to her, declared to her uh, through the means of grace. Yeah. And it's a simple white linen gown. That's what it is. So if you want to know what this looks like, come to church on Sunday. And you will see that that in the church we have these things called vestments. And and the, the, the purpose of those vestments isn't to say, oh, pastor looks funny wearing a gown, although he does. Um, but But what it is is it's the image. We reflect what we are in God's eyes. And, and, and we wear the white as pastors because we are representing the, all those people believing in the Lord who gather, who are, are declared righteous, declared not guilty and wear the white robe. And, and instead of you all coming in wearing white robes, which would be awesome. I'm just saying. You, they actually do come into the church wearing a white robe. If they're wearing a baptismal gar- garment, a white garment, then they come into the church wearing their white robe. And every every worship service begins yeah. with a, the sign of the cross reminding us of our baptism, reminding us how we got into how But we in got a visual there. way, the pastor yeah. wears that. Right. Okay. Right? In a visual way. We, we, But it's true. I mean, and, the, the, and, and why do we wear black during, during um, Lent? Some of us wear black during Lent. Why do, why does it the natural tradition to wear black during Lent? <laughs> That's because we're remembering that that really we are clothed with our sins and yeah. and that and that we need that robe of righteousness. Uh, why should we wear 
why and, and and I'm I'm okay. So I'm one of those pastors. Is it Adiaphra whether you wear a gown or not? Yes, it's Adiaphra. Who cares? But there are some images in the church that are beautiful for this reason. Um, we stand before the Lord dressed in white because of His declaration over us. Underneath, I am who I am. Yeah. Underneath, you are who you are, and and I don't deserve any of it. But it was declared and given to me. Great reminder every Sunday as we put the robe on that we're we're there to proclaim Christ and not ourselves. Yeah, and that I am covered even when I make a mistake and misspeak, right? There's a reason why the the covering doesn't cover my head. I may speak sometimes. <laughs> oh, okay, taking the analogy one step too far. Let's get to the rider on the on the on the horse because that's exciting too. That's uh, good news. It's, it balances everything we've been talking about so far. If we're being if we're going to take us down to the depths of the enemies of God and what's going to happen to them. Um, now let's also get back up to the height of the victory that is ours uh, in Christ and that will happen on the last day. Chapter 19, starting at verse 11. I saw heaven standing open and there was a white horse. Its rider was called Faithful and True and he judges and makes war in righteousness. His eyes are like blazing flames and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him which no one knows except he himself. He is also clothed with a garment that had been dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies in heaven, which were clothed with white, clean, fine linen, were following him on white horses. Out of his mouth came a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will shepherd them with an iron staff. He himself is going to trample the winepress of the fierce anger of the Almighty God. On his garment and on his thigh, this name is written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I saw an angel standing on the sun, and he called out with a loud voice to all the birds that were flying in the middle of the sky. He said, come gather together for God's great supper so that you can eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of military leaders and the flesh of military men and the flesh of horses and their riders and the flesh of all people, both free and slave, both small and great. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. The beast was captured along with the false prophet who performed miracles on his behalf, with which he deceived those who had received the mark on the beast and had worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire, which burns with sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword that comes out of the mouth of the rider and of the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. Okay, yeah, it is a good picture, guys. It is. Trust me. Victory. <laughs> but it's an interesting picture. It's like picture. Game of Thrones. <laughs> Winter is coming. <laughs> uh, without the nudity. <laughs> yes, without the nudity. Um, and dragons. Oh, no, there's dragons. Right. It's just that idea of the eating of the flesh of, of the enemies of God. We think of uh, the, the picture that is meant is behind there, I believe, is that the um, the destruction of God's enemies is for our good. That God's enemies are now completely destroyed. Yeah. That there's nothing more that they can be done. The 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 victory over them is complete. In some ways, instantaneous. Some ways, spread out. Um, the the John, as he's describing the destruction of enemies, as he's describing these seven bowls of wrath being poured out from the tabernacle. Sometimes he just slows everything down so he can see it very clearly, puts it under a microscope, and it seems like it, it's the destruction is happening for a long time. And other times he's, he's making it very quick to, to 
to emphasize the decisive nature of the victory of the lamb over the enemies of God. That it, it's not, yeah. it, it's not in any way a struggle for Jesus to and, defeat the enemies of, of Christ. And, and I think the, the awesome part about it is, is those who follow are, are defenseless. They, they aren't carrying a sword. They're not coming into battle. They're, they're dressed in white and riding a horse. Um, and, and the only one who's armed is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. The only one who's armed is one who, who has gone to battle before us once and defeated sin, death, and the power of the grave and now comes in and defeats all, uh, uh, those that remain to stand against his people. Um, and you have, you have the sword coming out of his mouth. Um, you know, the image of the law doing what it does. Um, the image of the law coming and and cleaving, and the power of the word, and the you know, power when, of the word. When the word, when Jesus speaks the word, uh, there's no Jesus spoke and bang, it happened. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, that's creation, and Reference. and we have it, and we have it now. Um, when it comes to an end, it, it, the Lord. I think sometimes we maybe backtracking a little bit. Um, sometimes we think and we, we get in our heads that there's uh, the last day, there's this huge battle and God's forces are going against evil forces and the angels are coming down and they're doing all these things. And it's not God. God doesn't need the angels to fight his battle. Um, Jesus doesn't need the heavenly forces to go to arms. Um, just like he didn't need the heavenly forces to come and rescue him from the cross. Uh, he held them back. Um, so that he could do what needed, only he could do and what needed to be done. And, and at the end, he will take to the field and we will watch. And, and there's nothing we must do, have to do, should do other than praise our Lord for all he has done for us. Um, and it will be. Yeah. Well said. The battle is right now. The great battle that we're, we're, we maybe romanticize over is happening right now for our souls. Yeah. Uh, the, de- the, the, the sin, our sinful nature, the devil, the the world influenced by the sinful nature and the world influenced by the devil is seeking the destruction of our soul and God through His Word through His means of grace is trying to save us from that strength. We just talked about this in confirmation yesterday, talking about Thy Kingdom Come and how the Holy Spirit uses the means of grace to strengthen the rule of Christ in our hearts yeah. because we have these other foes attacking us. Um, and seeing the battleground in the heart is a huge thing, isn't it? Yeah. And, and recognize it. You know, you want to see the battle between the angels. If God could peel back, um, an image of, of, of what is just outside of our eyes, um, to see the spiritual warfare over our soul, we would see the battle of the angels. We, we would, we would, we would stand with Elijah, right? And, and see the multitude surrounding us, protecting us. Um, Sometimes we would see the battle of, of a demon attacking and the shield of Christ protecting. <clears throat> These are things we don't see in, in the world in which we live. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said so beautifully, it, it, that, that battle between the heavenly forces are hap- is happening now. Uh, and it happens, it happens at the font, right? It happens at the table um, where God gives his body and blood for you. Um, it happens at your dinner table when, when the, the, the dad and the mom proclaim forgiveness over a sin that a child committed or the child looks at mom and dad and said, I forgive you for, for the lie that you told because you promised and you didn't. Or, um, maybe going further into the family, you know, when, a, when a child makes a bad choice that's, that you know as a parent is going to be life threatening or, or harm them. How does this, this work? How is it going into the world? This is what's happening as, 
as God is using you to fight these battles and is fighting through you for the the very soul of people. Um, and that is why we talked about forgiveness today in confirmation. And it's like, this is, this is the stuff in the Lord's prayer. Um, forgive us as we forgive those um, who have sinned against us. Lord, forgive me for everything I've done and, and let that open up my heart to forgive others because, because this is a battle. Um, and, and forgiveness is, is one of the hugest swords and bombs. This battle that's being waged is talked about in chapter 20. So let's get to chapter 20. How about that? I suppose. That's well said, Will. I didn't have anything. I didn't respond to it because I'm like, you said it very well. No. I mean, hey. it, Let's move on. Well, let's move on. Twenty is the end of our our podcast today, anyway. So right. So let's and hit twenty. We're, we're sitting at right a, at an hour, so we are we are phenomenal, phenomenal. You are teachers. Good. Yeah, I mean, you keep us on task. <laughs> Chapter twenty. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven. He had a key to the oh, key to the abyss, and a great chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the the devil and Satan, bound him for a thousand years threw him into the abyss, locked it, and set a seal on it so that he could no longer deceive the nations until the thousand years came to an end. After this, he must be released for a short time. Then I saw thrones, and those who were sitting on them were given authority to judge, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast and his image, and they did not receive his mark on their forehead and on their hand. They lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not live until the thousand years came to an end. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who who has a share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. Instead, they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. After, When the thousand years come to an end, Satan will be released from his prisons. He will go out and deceive the nations that are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. They are as numerous as the sand of the sea. They came up over the broad expanse of the earth, and they surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil, who deceived them, was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where he, the beast and the false prophet are. These are they. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Okay. So we got some um, terminology that we probably have to start taking a step back first. Um, we, we have um, Satan being chained um, to hell. He's dragging hell with him. Um, there is many people who look at this and say we're, we're taking a step back and we're looking at, at um, uh, God's control over the activities of Satan. Even within the world, even though he he can he he does a lot, um, he can't do everything. God God limits his behavior. Um, <clears throat> so so even though we're in the last day, we're we're kind of getting a we're we're getting a scope out, and then we're going to scope back in. Um, we also have have a couple of references to um, the Christian life and the flow of of what happens within a Christian life. So we have um, allusions to uh, conversion. Right, we have allusions to um, being brought into faith through the waters of baptism, through the Word, resurrection. Uh, yeah. through, so we have the first resurrection, spiritual resurrection, new mm. creation. Um, that's that's 
I'm brought to faith, waters of baptism, sacraments. Um, and then we have the second death. Of course, that would be the, the, I, I'm, I'm dying of old age or, or whatever happens to me in this world. Um, so I think there's a couple of things that we can talk about here as we, we kind of wrap up the show. Um, cause we're just at an hour and we're at the final chapter. This is good stuff in, in referencing the life of a Christian, um, being seen here. So is there, any comments you got um, just in, in passing as we, we talk about it? Or do we just want to go through and point this is this, this is this, this is that? Um, I don't – it matters not to me. I prepared 17 to 19, so I am flying a little bit blind in Chapter 20. Oh, yeah. So you did <laughs> – you wanted to mention that. Yes. He put it on my shoulders <clears throat> just so that it would be known <laughs> that Will Harley prepared more <laughs> – that, that Dave Rudat does. The Dave Rudat, who usually has pages and pages of notes that he wants to, of stuff he writes down because he wants to talk about these things. And Will Harley just has his Bible with yeah. notes in it that he writes down from time to time. So anyway, uh, that's a little bit of, uh, or that's a little bit of inside baseball, which is fine. Uh, chapter 20. Um, I like how you said, you said it very beautifully. It's, um, the zooming out, zooming in. There's a lot of that that's been happening where you've got the, the bowls, being uh, spread out on the earth, talking about the final judgment of the enemies of God, and then it zooms in and it m- makes it sound like it's a prolonged thing, but that's just a, a reference to the finality of of their destruction that it's going to be um, um, forever. Because it does mention the prostitutes sometimes thrown into the lake of fi- fire and sulfur and so on, and then it also uh, zooms out to say the totality of the victory that Jesus has over them. It's not like it's a prolonged victory like. Let's say Ukraine, Russia, where you're like somebody's going to be a winner here eventually. Um, somebody's going to win now. Yeah, some right. But just imagine a battle that is both prolonged, like Ukraine and in Russia, and instantaneous at the same time. So this is the kind of victory that we have in Christ. The thousand years, of course, we we you've mentioned that well as well, where it's a reference to um, the beginning of that thousand years is is Jesus's life, death, resurrection. The end of that thousand years is the next event that's going to happen. Why do we say it's that thousand years? We've talked about that before with um, uh, the different millennialisms of, of the world and how the Bible, the rest of the Bible, uh, the clear words of Christ talking about what's the next big event that's going to happen is his coming again. So this time of of uh, a victory that, that the church exists in is right now the time of victory where Christ has has won over the death of the power of sin, death, and hell. We still have sinful natures that are, we're still having this war being waged over our soul. But on the other hand, everything that is needed to accomplish our salvation has been done in history. That Jesus has lived, died, rose again. Um, the 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 sins are on Him, and and so. And that victory is given to you. And it's given to you, and, yeah. and that's and that's really that that first death, right? Um, you go to the pages of Romans, and and we have died with Christ. We have raised with Him. That's reference to you know, those who have been baptized into Christ. Um, so, so I mean, you're looking at sacramental work that that kills the sinful nature, raises a new creation, and and yet we're still in this world. We're still living in this torment, in this sin, in in the things that are are happening. How do we translate that? Well, you know, there is a second death coming. We died once to sin. It was is, is in Christ we're dead, and we're, we rise again, and and we will die in this world because that that this mortal body has to be dealt with, um, but it won't harm us, and and so we have this we 
we have the 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 very beautiful um picture of the spiritual resur- resurrection being painted here um waiting to the end when we'll have the physical resurrection um so can we say and we do in the church that when someone passes away their spirit is with the lord yes is their body with the lord no because we're not there yet um but their spirit is with the lord they they have died to christ they have been raised with christ this body is just it's waiting it's waiting for for what will come um but the spirit is always with the lord and so we got some good stuff there yeah that's a very excellent point because a lot of times at funerals and afterwards people think well that's the end of the story for that individual and i think our job as pastors and both of us uh are working and all confessional Lutherans, pastors also stress this point too. I'm glad where you said all confessional Lutherans. Pastors. <laughs> not just us. So now we can, we can say that one's not confessional. <laughs> so all of us are still reminding God's people and reminding ourselves that the, the victory isn't quite over yet. The victory has, that there, there is a victory over this life, but the victory, the benefits of that victory haven't been fully materialized yet until the resurrection. Yeah. And, and so that, that helps us when, Helps a grieving family that comes to the cemetery and puts the flowers on the grave and they're, they're dealing with the loss of their loved one and they're going, am I ever going to see this person again? And that's a reminder. Yes, you are going to see this person again. Yes, uh, there is a resurrection that you, that this isn't this, um, finality that seems so final there at the gravesite isn't the end of your relationship with that person that because of Christ, you're going to see them again. Um, which is which leads me to a, a, a comfort that my grandmother used to do uh, when we were. I'm going to try the center view. Can you hear me in the center view? I think you can. I think you can. I, I can hear me. I can always hear me. <laughs> That's the, the advantage. Um, but my grandmother always would sing. I know that my redeemer lives when she would go and visit her husband, her beloved husband's uh, tomb, which. To me as a kid and as a teenager, that had a profound effect on me. Like, why is she singing about, why is she singing this Easter hymn when she is sitting there at the graveside with the flowers? Cause, you know, that, those are, that's grandpa's grave. And as a teenager, as a young person, you're thinking that's where grandpa is. And she was reminding herself and her grandson that, um, she's going to see him again. Yeah. I think there's a theological truth though that, that we, we take from this. And that is, um, <clears throat> heaven is not meant for man. And, and, and we're going to see this as we come to the end in the last couple of chapters here. Um, heaven is not meant for our bodies to be. Um, our souls are there for a time and, and it is wonderful and it is glorious and it is victorious. Um, but earth is for man and, and God will recreate it and, and will recreate our bodies as he intended it to remain. And we will explore the expanse of God's new creation to the fullness of what God had originally intended for man to to explore um, and to be a part of. And it will be good. It will be different than mm. what it is. But it will. And I think sometimes we 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 get it in our head and we say, "Heaven, I'm going to heaven. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with." And it is, but it's not for you. Heaven, heaven is not for you. It's like a staging area. Yeah, heaven, heaven is for God. And, and heaven is for the, the beings that God has created to, to reside there, the heavenly hosts. Earth is for you. And, and when God will recreate earth, it will be great because he will be there too. Yeah. Right. That was, I was like, I was like, oh, uh, will danger don't, danger will, will highly danger will highly. Cause but, but it, just the idea of God being in heaven and not being here on earth would make earth, the new, new earth less than the new heaven, but, which but it's is not, not because, and, and, and here's, here's the theological point. 
my savior is man. And so he will be with me. Yeah. Right. And that's the, the, um, yeah, Star Trek is a possibility. Will we be exploring strange new worlds in the new heavens and new earth? That is a question I will not answer. Um, but in a galaxy far, far, far away. away. <laughs> uh, what, what is the role of the heavenly beings in the new heavens and the new earth is a question that scripture does not answer. Um, anyway, um, where was my point? My point is the rest of the book of Revelation is going to get some good stuff. We're going to be we're, now. The, yeah, we're going to talk about this new earth, the the new earth, and what that's like, and what is being communicated to us um, in the description of the new heaven and the new earth, and how we can take that home for us as a comfort, especially when we're dealing with difficult times. So, can I make a suggestion? Um, I know that at the end of, of 20 has the final judgment and, and we're going to have the, the thrones come down. But I think that really goes well with, with, um, 21, where oh, okay. we have the new creation of the heaven because it all kind of blends together. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really think that, that our listeners would benefit from us shutting our mouth and letting the text stand and say, Hey, guess what? Satan's done. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to end the show. It is a good way. You should have had the music going. <sighs> You have to give me more of a lead time than we should end the show with. <laughs> now, if we had a sound tech, they'd be all ready. But uh, we'll end the sh- we're going to end the show with. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so we will end the show with, okay, guess what? Satan's defeated. <laughs>